If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are talking about gender non-conformity with our guest, Tate Ashley, Woo! who is a writer, artist, professional dom, and cuddleist. These are all true. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so to start off, uh, we usually like to have our guests uh, give their own intro, because I feel like you'll do a better job describing you than I will. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might. You you pretty much laid out the basics there. Well, can you just tell us a little bit more about those things? Then? Yeah. So what I do for a living is I'm a professional dominatrix and mm-hmm. also a cuddleist. And do those two things go together? Or are those often, two yes. Jobs? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. I have a lot of clients who enjoy both aspects of oh, okay. that sort of touch therapy. Right. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. Okay, so that's like your main job. I know you do like a ton of other things. Um, <laughs> and then also um, you identify as genderqueer, right? Yes. Right. Okay, so that's kind of the main yeah, topic we're so, going to yeah. be talking about. <laughs> that makes today. sense. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've talked about this on some recent episodes, actually. Um, uh, just kind, kind of, of come to the forefront a bit more in this last year, I think. Like, yeah, been in people's minds a lot more than ever before. Mm-hmm. Gender, yeah. just in general, um, but then also kind of these sort of questions of like, what does that really mean? Like, mm-hmm. how are we being boxed in by, you know, trying to trying to be like we think we should be as yeah, a or gender, use gender or binary language? Right. Yes. yes. Um, so I guess uh, to to start out, you know, we're talking about gender nonconformity, um, but you identify as gender queer. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us like what that means? Right? I think mo- for most people, queer is used to describe people who are not straight, right? Yeah. By which I am also one less, of them. Right? <laughs> yeah. So um, so when you apply it to something else like gender, what you know, what does that mean? Like, how does that yeah. all fit under the same queer umbrella? So, for me, and the things that I've read, queerness as a topic generally is meant to describe something that's not the norm and not the expected and is actually more of an anti like proclamation of who you are than hmm. points to anything specific about who you are so it's more of like a what you're not, yeah, okay. which is really interesting, okay. yeah, so like I am not gender, I guess. Um, so then, <laughs> okay. so then, a further conversation is warranted, right? Yeah, because so, then, what is gender? That's a good fucking question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yes, I say it all the time. We have we have the explicit, <laughs> we better be allowed the explicit tag on iTunes. Okay, okay. good. Um, so, what is gender? That was the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, it's something that I've been exploring for a few years now. Um, gender seems to be the way that other people think of you and your genitals when they look at you, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. really insane. Yeah. Um, 
So there's a differentiation, of course, between gender and sex. Mm-hmm. And sex is your sex organs, your hormones, your body, how it presents itself. And gender is how really you feel about yourself and how you want to present yourself to other people, even though presentation and self-identification have nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's already very complex and we yeah. just mm-hmm. scratched the surface. Right. Um, and then, so I, I guess my question though, so if... if, if um, if queer is about more defining yourself by what you're not mm-hmm. rather than what you are, mm-hmm. uh, and this is not your own definition, right? Like this is stuff you've you've read from this, from books. The and internet like is that, vast, right? has lots of answers <laughs> yes, for yes. people who are confused, <laughs> right? Um, so I guess my question is, and this is something that I've heard debated in poly circles or whatever, and I'm just curious for you to weigh in on it: is um, you know, is identifying as polyamorous being queer? And it's something where. Some people, when this comes up, are like, well, yeah, because it's it's about, like, we're not monogamy or we're not the sort of normal thing that's expected, right? Yeah. And then, usually, whoever in the group is genderqueer or bi or gay, it's like, fuck you, you're not queer, I'm mm-hmm. queer. Huh. And then it becomes this weird sort of in-group, out-group <laughs> Identity thing. Identity politics is <laughs> right? suicide, said Jeez. a good friend of mine. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, identity politics are really intense, and I've accidentally gotten involved in them through my blogging um, Mm -hmm. when I proclaimed uh, that I did not like feminism, which is attached to this, in fact. As far as... Okay, so I'm going to back it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So being genderqueer essentially means that I don't desire to fit into either of the two boxes that we see as genders in our society. Right. Um, And so taking that now to your question of, like, Mm -hmm. is being polyamorous queer... By that definition, I would say yes. But by the social definition of what people who identify as queer, like, sexually, mm-hmm. as in the way those communities form, there is a lot of overlap with poly communities, with kink communities, etc. But I would say that that's not the defining factor of them being queer. The defining factor is, like, them being genderqueer or trans or bi or pansexual or whatever. Right. So... Colloquially, I would say that being poly is not queer. Hmm. <laughs> right. Although it's a pretty queer thing to do. Yeah. But you can be <laughs> straight and poly. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. So right. then, are you not queer? I guess, no. That's I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's all a tricky question. It's tricky. And I think that, that part of it that I feel like comes up is that queer, especially for people who identify as queer, um, there is a certain sense of that identity having to do with the the extent to which you are discriminated against or disenfranchised mm. or something like that. And I There's think, a lot of fighting over who has it worse. Right, yeah. and that's something we've talked about a little bit on this show before of like, that we try hard to stay away from that. Of, yeah. of like, well, no, but 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 no, but but I have it worse because of it's this discrimination. Or, right? no, like, it's not yeah. No one's moving forward when we're focusing on how much we suffer, I guess. Yeah. Um, but so it is interesting that all these things get mixed up together, though, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's like, all anti-norm. So mm-hmm. in a way, all queer. Right. But I guess what I mean is that that the term queer gets mixed up with being disenfranchised, gets mixed up with being discriminated it's against. Because right? it's, it's, a, all kind of, it's a reclamation. The word right. queer itself used to be used a negative, as yeah. a mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. negative slur. And so yeah. now, by taking it back... Um, there's a lot of contrast over other words that are being reclaimed as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but that one seems to be pretty universally accepted. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point where we have people studying queer theory. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, a, right. it's a legitimized thing at this point. <laughs> right. it's, yeah. it's in academia now, so it's, it's clearly <laughs> legit. 
yeah, no, it's it's fascinating to me how how all of that's evolved and kind of where that. Um, yeah, I don't know, kind of how that all fits together into all of this. Okay, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't want to get us derailed on on queer theory. <laughs> we were talking about it before we recorded, so it's like, wait, let's, sure. let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about this more. Um, but uh, you said that you wanted to talk a little bit about this idea of uh, extremes versus the middle ground. Yeah, yeah um, tell absolutely. us more about that. So another word for gender queer or gender nonconforming is, as I'm sure you've heard, gender non-binary, mm-hmm. and so that therefore makes us examine the binary that we think exists of like men and women, girls and boys, feminine, masculine, etc. Mm-hmm. And I actually made a video that I still haven't published. I'm really sorry Ooh. to everyone who worked on the video uh, about expressing yourself beyond the binary so like using whatever kind of clothes you want to wear in order to express yourself in Mm, a very like mm -hmm. limited sense that was the video it was about um but i've found in my daily life that when you're not desirous to fit into either box on either end of the extreme Mm -hmm. um, male female girly masculine etc like people have a harder time understanding it because if you think about it we understand things by categorizing them and having names for them. Mm-hmm. And so that actually rolls into something else I want to talk about, but I'll yeah, hold off. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so when you are claiming middle ground, it's very confusing for people and they have a harder time. Like, I don't know so much about desiring to understand, but they have a harder time understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, it's much easier for someone to understand, like, oh, you're transgender, so you were this gender, and now you want to be this other gender. And sure. I understand both of those genders, and so I can understand what you are doing right but for someone like me i'm floating in the middle i don't care either way Mm -hmm. i don't feel one or the other i don't want to be something that i'm not right and that's i think unsettling uh yeah i mean it is i mean it's hard when people can't categorize something there is that like kind of safety in being like well i I put a name on this so i know what it is exactly it's like a placeholder for a concept and so i Mm -hmm. wish that we had better words around Mm-hmm. gender nonconformity because i think that would make it a lot easier to understand for the majority of people yeah absolutely sure yeah do you have do you have any suggestions of- <laughs> in terms of words <laughs> should we get to that because once upon a time there was the z and mm-hmm. yeah you had said that which i know you for hate. the record mm-hmm. i think that's stupid yeah <laughs> i i lived for a month with a friend of mine from high school and her roommate and they both went by z and here yeah um and so i like very quickly was like figured it out was like you know constantly having to be aware of my pronouns yeah, which yeah. in itself is an interesting exercise when you become mm-hmm. aware of how often we use pronouns in yes. general uh something yeah, that, all the freaking time right something i find really fascinating about the english language mm-hmm. is that in order to talk about another person the one piece of information you need before anything else huh. is their gender yeah, or their pronoun. Yeah. Right? That Because we use them in every sentence, yeah. you either need to always refer to them by their name or know their pronoun. Yeah. yeah. And that we can't function without it. And you can't know their pronoun unless you ask. Right. Yeah. And so, personally, I use they, them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend who's advocating for the use of more names and less pronouns, hmm. even though that does get repetitive. Uh, they them is confusing. My mom said that's a plural word, and I said I realize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, <Yeah>. mom. <laughs> so I think, like, I personally wish, and I'm constantly on the hunt for what can we use in, mm-hmm. as a gender neutral pronoun in English? Because in some languages it's easier. Right. Uh, in Swedish, my friend told me that they have han and hun for her and him, and then mm-hmm. hen 
is a middle ground. Oh right. wow, which is right. so fascinating. Easy. And I wish we had something like that. Yeah. yeah, in in Russian, there's a similar thing. Really, where there's on and ana and ano mm-hmm. is the neutral oh, one, but great. you but it's never used for people. So huh. in Russia. As we know from the news, sure. they're not, they're not going to adopt this, no. this term. Yeah. But it does at least exist. So yeah, when exists. they are ready to take that step, it's they like, oh, it. we already have a word that means... Because for them, he and she also means it. Yes. Right? Because yeah. all of, of their languages. you know their, their tables are female and their computers are male. And, you know, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. <laughs> they all have gender as well, which is a whole well, other thing. they have to know what things they can have sex with and what things they can't. Right. There right. you go. Right. Um, and then there are also things that are neutral. Right. So that's why yeah. they have that third pronoun. Yeah. Or in Japanese, where you don't use any pronouns at all most of the time. Huh. So same yeah. thing. Like, you can intentionally be vague about about using pronouns. Yeah. Um, so it is yeah, interesting cool. how, how language affects that. And I yeah. know language is something you want to talk about, but I'm going to make you wait. Ah! <laughs> we're going to get to that soon. Um, but uh, while we're on this, though, like... Um, okay, so, like, if, if, if there's these two boxes for male and female, and mm-hmm. we're talking about this existing in the middle ground, mm-hmm. is, it, is it something, like, is there... Is there a place outside of that box that's like on the on the other side of the box? Now I'm just like doing oh, a thought experiment. I understand. Like, can you explain what? Can so you you've got your mailbox here, mm-hmm. and then your female box here, mm-hmm. and you can hop out of those boxes and be mm-hmm. in the middle. Can you also hop out like on the other side? Oh, and be the like hypermasculine. You're talking about like yeah, like <laughs> these boxes are existing in space and time, and then there is like a, a section in which each of them exist, and then you're like either in between or out of it. I don't know if that's exactly the case. Um, well, I that's mean, an interesting in thought way, experiment. In some ways, mm-hmm. I think that's an apt metaphor for actually hmm. so i think not being hyper masculine or anything like that not putting mm-hmm. it on a t- like on a line i think there are people who feel in between mm-hmm. neither yeah. all there's a lot of different ways to be gender non-conforming well i mean and, and i guess i guess kind of what i'm getting at is is there not just like a place on opposite sides of the boxes? Like you said, it's not on a line, but it's like, well, maybe I'm I'm next to this box, but like there oh, are yeah. parts of me that feel more like this box, but other parts of me that identify more here. Hmm. Okay. Right? Like there's this whole <laughs> sort of three dimensional okay. world around. Is that non gender queer though? It it still is. It sounds like an analogy to bisexuality. Hmm. Interesting. Sure, a little bit, yeah. I'm just thinking like like for me with. You know, when I went to college is when I started, um, like, when I was in high school is when I started questioning my sexuality, but mm-hmm. when I was in college is when I started questioning my gender. Um, and me looking the way that I do and having, like, a voice like I do and all that, like, it, it's not, like, you guys were both talking about people being like, sir, ma'am, no, like, not, <laughs> no, like, everyone always is just like, sir, right? Like, yeah, they, yeah. I, I clearly present as a guy, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you could do something about that. Well, sure, but so that's the debate I had in college was like I wore dresses for a little while and was like, okay, what's you know what's this about? Like it was almost just to try try things and kind of find like what experimenting in college. Who knew? I know. (laughs) Who does that? Um, But kind of like what's what's true for me? And it was this thing where like ever since I was young, I hated being grouped in with men. Like if Mm. anyone, if I ever like had an opinion or said something, and someone was like, oh, it's because you're a guy. Like I was like. Yeah, you you know, like, like, no, my opinions are my own. Like, my thoughts are my own. It's not just because I'm a guy. I think like every other guy or whatever. Um, And so, for me, then, then the question was this: like, well, what, what, what's the deal? Like, do I, 
do I wish I was female? Cause sometimes I'm like, yeah, like I do identify with that a lot. Mm. But but ultimately for me, it was kind of this like, like for me, it was about finding the things that I did like about being a man, um, but not like needing to fit in that box, I yeah. guess. Um, but still understanding like, Aesthetically, like there are things about being a guy that I like about myself, right? Like I like looking in the mirror and seeing broad shoulders. I'm like, cool, like I'm into that, <laughs> right? Um, rather than that being something that I wanted to to change or like mm-hmm. that I always wear stubble. It's like, yeah, just I kind of like how that looks. So yeah. um, I don't That's know. I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm yeah. losing the thread a little no, bit, but just this no, idea of like, cool. yeah, I feel like you're touching on transgenderism or transsexuality mm-hmm. specifically. Transsexuality mm-hmm. is that different from transgender? Yeah. Explain. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me more. Uh, So, this is highly debated, is not like by any means an academic definition. This is from people who I know telling Mm -hmm. me what it it is. Okay. Okay. Uh, So, I have a friend who hangs out with a lot of women who are transsexuals, which means specifically that their goal is to change their bodies from being males to females. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of transgender people who want to be viewed as the opposite gender, but have no desire to change their sexuality Mm -hmm. in terms of their physical physical makeup. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. So I see. So transsexual versus transgender. Okay. Got it. But But transsexual is suddenly not a PC term, even though it refers to something specific. Well, because it used to be this sort of catch all term for for anyone who cross dressed who is a transvestite, right? So that's another term that's 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 fallen out of 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 vogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So there's transvestite, transgender, and transsexual, and they were all kind of. We have so many words for sexuality and gender. (laughs) We really do. Yeah. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on AdamMail.com and Eve'sToys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. 
Cool. Awesome. We're going to talk about language. Yeah. Yes. yes. And it's inefficiency. Yeah. Super inefficient. Yeah. I just, I wanted to call it like language and its discontents for oh. some reason. Huh. I, I don't know. Language and its malcontents? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, right? for speaking example. Of, speaking of malcontents. No, exactly. Tate, like, tell us about <laughs> language. I, Hardly. <laughs> I was thinking about something like I really didn't uh, like being called bisexual for the longest time because, yeah. again, I didn't want to be placed into a box. Mm-hmm. And especially now, I mean, bisexual means like I like both men and women but if I like someone who does not identify as that and she does maybe sitting in this chair next to me then uh-huh. what does that make me mm-hmm. I think that makes you pansexual oh I'm pansexual yes okay I like that more than just being two things I get yeah to be all things right Enjoy in high school things. I was bisexual yes uh, I was a bisexual girl and <laughs> That was really awkward for me. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then once I got out into the world and started meeting people and questioning my gender in college, like Jace. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nice. Except for I don't think I lasted in college as long as you might have. Um, <laughs> I realized that I wasn't just attracted to men and women. I was attracted to trans people and mm-hmm. gender queer people and, you know, lots of things. So, right. yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, my one of my partners and I, we just... We have we have truncated it to being pan poly, pan poly. There you go. I like that. That's nice. Yeah, I can do pan poly too. Um, Well, so we were talking earlier about language and and how we don't really have a good gender neutral pronoun, right? That's true. Um, What were I feel like there were some other things that came up before we started recording that was also like God damn language. Yeah. uh, Do you remember what that was that we were talking about? Uh, So I've struggled for a long time with the terms masculine and feminine Mm. Mm -hmm. because to me. They don't actually have any substantiation underneath them. Interesting. So masculine, we'll call Jace masculine and Emily feminine for this portion of the show. Okay. I'm I'm offended for this portion of the show. (laughs) I'm not. I mean, my voice is not feminine at all, but that's about the only part of me that isn't. Okay. All right. Go on. So Jace is wearing like a structured, tailored outfit and has short hair and some facial hair and speaks with a lower voice. Uh... Emily also does. <laughs> Emily has long hair and mm-hmm. wears, you know, smaller clothes that might show off more of your body and might be tighter and yeah. wear makeup mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, but those things don't mean vagina or penis in any sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about somebody being masculine, it means nothing about their gender or their sex, which mm-hmm. is super interesting. Sure. Um, but also, it annoys me because random things, like you even mentioned earlier about different languages, having, like, the computer is masculine, the table is feminine. Right. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it actually doesn't mean anything, yeah, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. Right. There's, like, a there's a socially accepted group of attributes that are masculine mm-hmm. and that are feminine. And other than that, it doesn't actually have any substantiation. And so if you're not masculine or feminine, there are a couple of different words that we use, like androgynous. Mm-hmm. And there's a word that a part, my other partner wanted me to bring in, which is epicene, which is essentially oh, another word. One. It's an older word that actually is used to mean some not so nice things in some ways, but basically points to androgyny. Hmm. Huh, so not okay. being able to tell if you're a boy or a girl. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And so there are some older words that we have. But essentially, there's nothing to say, oh, this person's a blank, or this person is mm-hmm. adverb. Uh, so it's hard to really point at people who aren't trying to gender themselves. Sure. We have they I see, and them. I, I, see, I see what you mean, that there's not like... 
if we have these traits, we say are masculine, and we have these traits, we say are feminine. Right. We don't have like traits we say are right, are and so not, we just say are, we yeah. just say yeah. that that person's androgynous. But yeah. it's kind of like the word queer, where it doesn't point to anything; it just points to a non. Well, a and if you see right. a female-bodied person wearing non-gendered clothes, then they may say like that's a masculine feature, right? Or they're trying to look masculine. Which is also mm. Which incorrect. Is all offensive. Also. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, is all just offensive. Sure. Well, and also, what are gender neutral clothing? Is there any? I mean, that's a great point. Right. I don't know if there is really. Yeah. I feel like it's it's becoming more so. Right. If you think about like, like a onesie. I mean, I'll see a man in like. Leggings. I think furries are gender neutral. There you go. Furries are gender. That's there true. Go. Good one. That's Good awesome. one. No, but like, I mean, just just jeans, for example. Right. Yeah. The jeans. But like, the cut says during, everything. That's true. True. But during our parents' generation, or Women. at least at least my parents, like you know, Mine too. they're old. My mom like had to wear a dress. Like wearing pants was like scandalous, right? And if you mm. think about like bloomers, right? I forget. Was it the fear of accidental camel toe? <laughs> I don't know. No, but it was just that it was not feminine. Yeah, right? but yeah. you had to uphold this this ideal of, of femininity, yeah. um, right? So, so I'd say jeans are becoming. But you're right. The cut. The cut totally says changes. everything. Yeah. I started yeah. wearing clothes from the boys and men's section mm-hmm. a couple few years ago because they're better made and they're more comfortable. Yes, they are better made. They're and much, they're cheaper. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh mm-hmm. There's a lot of things about that, but yeah. I still have some items in my wardrobe that are from the women's section, mm-hmm. uh, but it also depends on how you wear it. And like if you're just going for an women. overall, like, sparkle pony rainbow <laughs> extravaganza, it doesn't matter what you wear. Right. Uh, but in right. everyday society, you mm-hmm. have to choose how you want people to see you. Well, I mean, so if I can go back for a moment to this idea of masculine and feminine, mm-hmm. um, that I think the other problem there is that those also like will sometimes talk about them as if they have clear definitions, mm-hmm. but they actually don't. Mm. Right? Like this that's, is that's true of a lot of language. Is we use words as placeholders for concepts that we pretend we have fully fleshed out or mm-hmm. hardly defined, mm-hmm. when in reality they're all kind of soft and ephemeral. Right, or or oftentimes language will make something that was soft and ephemeral and cause it to become concrete. Mm. Like the example for me that I find really fascinating is the idea of gay and straight, or homosexual yeah. and heterosexual. That up until just a few hundred years ago, like not even that long, we didn't have those words. Yeah, interesting. And so we also didn't have the concepts that went with them. Yeah, it was just like. Like for I mean, example, meant meant something else. Well, right, for, right. I yeah, mean that a long yeah. time. But just I mean the concept of identifying someone as a person who likes men or a person who likes women, yeah. is this different thing? So if you think about like biblical times, that maybe in your culture, if you were Jewish, you had laws about men laying with women and you know whatever. But it wasn't about, like, an identity. It was about a thing you did. Yeah. Mm. And then we invented these words a few hundred years ago. And all of a sudden, it's it's an identity. Mm. Like, oh. that, that being gay is a thing you can be rather than it's a thing you do to have sex with men. Right. Which is why there's a lot of other cultures. Like, I know, um, you know, the ancient Greeks were kind of famous for this. But also, like, a lot of, um, you know, tribes in Africa and stuff like that were growing up. Like, it's still expected that a man would pair with a woman and have children with her but that 
growing up, he'd have sexual experiences with men, like mm. whatever, it didn't matter, yeah, it right? Right? Like yeah. the Greek and Roman soldiers would have crazy sex with each other and like whatever. Mm-hmm. That didn't make you a thing. It was yeah. just a thing you were doing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a fascinating example of the opposite end of language. That's absolutely true. And it actually, really quick, I'm going to go on a tangent that mm-hmm. brings me to something uh, that my therapist and I have been talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so the difference between guilt and shame is like guilt is about mm. something that you did. Shame is about something that you are. And I think that a lot of wow. Oh, wow. your yeah. existence is like, I am ashamed because I am a thing, which yeah. up until recently, we didn't have a way to identify right. as, right. which I yeah. think is really interesting. Yeah. Huh. Wow. That's... Gosh, that was a quick went, and really, really, yeah. really deep and good tangent. <laughs> wow. I love this. Oh, I'll man. be thinking about that for a while. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think, Emily, you had the next question you wanted to ask. Um, yeah. So the next question, this is something that I had talked to Josh about recently, is that um, he asked, like, do you feel as though anyone in the poly community that you've dated or just dated in general has ever mm-hmm. fetishized you because you are a bisexual person? And I kind of am throwing that over to you if you've ever felt fetishized or stigmatized or anything because you identify as non-gender binary or just gender queer or queer in general. Um, if people have... I don't know, that's proven difficult. Yeah, so a few different things come from that. Yeah. I originally want to say that I think I was more fetishized as a bisexual girl yeah, growing sure. up, uh, certainly. And that's way before I knew that I was poly. Mm-hmm. And then also, I would say specifically within the queer community, there is a stigma against people fetishizing other people who are trans. Yes. Within the mm-hmm. lesbian community, trans guys don't like to hang out usually because there's a lot of like... What is what am I to yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. If you're interested in women, what are you doing with me? Is this like a fetish thing? And I, one of my partners is a trans guy, and he goes through a lot of talking to people and weeding out those who are fetishizing him. Yeah. And so for me, I think being just like a generally queer human, I actually end up finding people who I'm more interested in dating and mm-hmm. who I, who I have more in common with, mm-hmm. um, and end up dating people who are gender non-binary, trans queer I think everyone I date is queer it would be weird if they weren't yeah <laughs> uh-huh. we have one like, we have one it. questioning yeah right. what are you going for yeah. Um, yeah yeah as that person George likes to say anyway you look at me it's a little gay yeah so, so yeah I've actually like found that. that since I've started embracing my gender identity and mm-hmm. sexuality full-heartedly and not limiting myself mm-hmm. i've found to be less fetishized that's and more great. welcomed and actually seen yeah that's lovely well it's, it it reminds me a little bit of of something that we've talked about a lot on the show about the concept of being unapologetically poly mm-hmm. and that a lot of people when especially when they're first becoming polyamorous will try to kind of sugarcoat it or like mm. ease other people yeah. into it that they're meeting or I've that they're I've always found that or, to be a mistake. Totally. Right. I have for myself and the temptation is so real because you want people to like you. Right. Um, but when you are just like fully that, like right from the get go talking about your other partners, like making it very clear what your life is like and what that looks like, that the people that do get past that initial phase are going to be a lot better matches and like mm-hmm. ultimately your time is going to be a lot better spent in more positive relationships. Well, it sounds like kind of a similar yeah, thing with I being mean, really queer. you know out and clear <laughs> yeah. out and and clear about your queer clear about queer. Yeah. <laughs> you know clear about, about your gender identity or yeah. or you know 
or lack thereof, or however well, you want to define it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that gets mixed up with the phrase that I'm sure you guys are familiar with, the fuck your own species. Hmm. Um, hmm. I've heard that okay. referred to a lot for Polly. Like, only, like, I know, oh, oh, I I know people, including yeah. myself, who will only date people who are oh, poly. poly. Right. Yeah. Who yeah. already identify as that. Yeah. 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 Just because I already have other partners and it would be a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. No, I've definitely... I feel like I know a lot of people who go through phases of that. Mm. It's like... Sure. They'll, they'll be like, oh, fuck it. I'm, I'm swearing off anyone who's not already poly. And it'll last for like a while. And mm. then they'll be like, okay, like I kind of want to explore again like, try it again and they'll yeah. kind of go back and yeah. forth in yeah. that like and I found that a lot of single people really don't care if you're casually dating them and you have other partners because they're probably dating other people too yeah um yeah I, I think that's again to come unless back to unless monogamy is the end goal although well to exactly come back to gender that's also something that yeah. varies depending on the gender that's a really that, good point that um and you know what? It, it's it's weird, actually. From And this is just entirely anecdotal, based on myself and my friends and my partners and kind of all of our experiences. But that I would say right from the get-go that women, in our culture at least, um, when... Okay, let's assume like these are heterosexual pairings. Mm-hmm. That, that a woman with a man is more Lame. likely... And, right, <laughs> Whatever. Uh, is more likely to... Be like, no, like, can't do that. Like, that's, I'm not comfortable with you dating other people or kind of with this casual non-monogamy thing. Mm. Um, Whereas men are more likely to be like, yeah, whatever, cool. But that the women who are like, but okay, tend to have like a better, like a more even handle of it as it goes on. Whereas the men, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. And then there's this like spike in like, I can't fucking handle this. Like, you have to stop this. Like, I'm, I'm very jealous now. Mm. That it's like, there's like one deals with it earlier and one deals with it later or yeah, something. And this is based on like very cis, mostly straight, right? Like that People, kind of yeah. acculturation. I don't think it has anything to do with their sex, but purely to do with the way that we're culturally taught. Yeah, yeah which is, I would say, the biggest part of gender. And mm-hmm. I definitely oh, had this conversation with my mom when I was first trying to, like, get into the water with her and talking about my gender. Yeah. Was like, yeah, so I grew up and you gave me a lot of pink things and I only played with boys and I asked for a blue bike and, like, I just, uh, you know, I think I was really trained to yeah. play with girls. Here's some dolls. Mm-hmm. And, like, it doesn't matter if I liked those things or not. The other things weren't really an option to me. And I had to fight mm-hmm. to be, like, on the street every day biking with my friends. Yeah. Right. And well, huh. whereas, and then that only, like, gets piled on top of each other as we start becoming sexual beings, as we start right. dating and what's appropriate. It's it's okay for this boy to kiss a few girls, but it's not okay for those girls to have kissed that boy. Yeah. Right. And no, so it's just that's this just absurd just cultural narrative we yeah. have. Yeah. And so I think that just kind of piles on top of itself and mm-hmm. is shaped by our personal experiences that are less you know general mm-hmm. until we become adults and then we wonder where where is my gender where does it come from and what actually am i versus right. what i've just been told i am right yeah, yeah. definitely and they become so inextricably intermixed that God. that we can't really you know like when someone says like no this is just how i am it's not how i was yeah. raised or how my culture taught me it's like how do you know how do parents? Is, it, right? is there like, an essential right? self? Right. Well, like, that's we, the thing. Like, how do parents or culture or whatever? How does it not like fuck you up potentially in some way? Because if your parents are only ever taught like, "Hey, I see a female in front of me, so I'm mm-hmm. going to give them female things." Mm-hmm. I mean, how how do we and female condition? Roles and all of that. Yeah, exactly. How do we condition ourselves out of that thought? Yeah. 
With intentionality, many things can be achieved. Sure. Because obviously if the three of us were to ever have children in the future, like the hope would be that not not together. Not together. I'm sorry. I mean just like kids. It's actually yours. We just forgot to tell you. Yeah, exactly. Weird. I don't remember that. Cool. I'm sure it was great. Um, But no, I mean like hopefully, you know, we would raise children as uh, very open individuals who mm-hmm. don't need to be told who they are, but mm-hmm. they get to decide who they are mm-hmm. and sex positive and all that stuff. But not everyone's going to do that. Well, and also, also, I think there's a very specific thing where children like to rebel against their parents, no matter how cool they are. Right. Sure, and that's cool. So maybe that's they'll rebel. That's always been my fear. If I do have a kid, yeah. which I'm not really interested in, but if yeah. I did have a kid, they would right. be a total right winger, and I would yeah. just not know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's horrifying. Oh man. Um, okay, so this this brings us to our final section here. Yes. Uh, our final it. final couple sections. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So. In that vein, not about raising kids, but about ourselves, mm-hmm. um, I want to leave our listeners with kind of something that they can actually do mm-hmm. um, about this, and not not about like oh you know treat your non gender binary friends better or something like that. Like that's, be nice, do that too, mm-hmm. be better. But um, in kind of an exercise of like discovering what gender means for you, I know you talked about this video that has yet to be published. It will be soon, I promise. Um, I can't wait to about see that, it. or you know, kind of what's the What's something that we could actually do that's sort of a quick thing to kind of get some insight into what gender means for us? Yeah. Well, that's a big question. I think think that a really good way to learn about anything for me, but I come from a writing background, is Mm -hmm. to sit down and write about it. So to question yourself and like, what are the things that I identify with and Mm -hmm. why? I think that's really important. So I know that you said that you identified with some aspects of masculinity or maleness Mm -hmm. that you enjoyed and you were able to identify why. And then also some things that you identify with that have nothing to do with your sex or your gender. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be able to build a more coherent picture of an individual rather than an ex, like rather than a boy or a girl or right. Like the definition of me is some of these things rather than just I'm in a box. Yeah. Rather than checking out boxes, like write in your answer. Right. Like write your own definition of kind of what, what things make up who you are. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. I think that would be informative for a lot of people. I'm a big fan of writing exercises. So I like that this is a writing. Consider it your homework. (laughs) (laughs) But also definitely ask instead Mm -hmm. of assuming pronouns, ask like, Hey, Mm-hmm. What would you oh, like yeah. to be called? Or I mean, identify as? yeah, and in the queer communities that I run in, mm-hmm. a lot of times if you're meeting someone new, they'll automatically say, "Hey, I'm Tate, they them," yeah, right. and then and that's that's it. That's right. awesome. But if you if you come into a conversation and you see someone that seems cool and you want to comment on what they said, you just say like, "Hey, I didn't catch your name or your pronouns." Right. Um, and to that's me, cool. uh, I learned about I learned about like. So I learned about consent, but I started really learning about consent like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And to me, the most revolutionary piece of that was realizing that I should ask people if they wanted a hug. Mm. Sure. Yeah. And so yeah, that yeah. is such like a normal social thing that people don't think about. Yep. But starting to do that has spurred a lot of questions about consent. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like asking for pronouns. People are like, why would you ask my pronouns? It's like, oh, because I didn't know. I didn't want to assume. I didn't want to assume you'd want a hug. I didn't want to assume what your pronouns right. are. Right. So, it's all part of this same, like, not assuming that... Yeah. 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 
Cool. Okay. And then our, our famous final question. <laughs> the final, final question. <laughs> the final, final question is, um, uh, I'm, I want to keep this focused like primarily on, on polyamory for this one. Yeah. And it, this is, uh, if you could just give one piece of advice to someone who is new to polyamory, what would that be? Ooh. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so the thing that I've gained the most from being poly is learning to go against every instinct in my body that's trying to hold in a secret, that's mm-hmm. trying to hold in a feeling or a statement about myself to my partner, or that's trying to hold in like, I didn't like it when you did that, whatever it was, even okay. if it didn't have anything to do with somebody else. Right. So like my body tends to like really just like want to lock in those feelings and mm. not share them. Uh, because that's vulnerable, right. even though you have that's the only way to get your needs met. And so my advice to anybody who's new to poly is to get comfortable with that feeling and mm. learn how to go against it. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Very cool. I'm just saying what's going on. Yeah, even if that seems like the absolute like the world yeah. is going to end and I'm just going to implode. Right. Right. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, thank you so much. Tate, yeah, for it's being great to be here. Thank you. Yes. Nice to no, I didn't meet you just now. <laughs> nice you. Don't brag. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Too. So, uh, could you tell our listeners uh, where they could find your writing or more stuff about yes, you? Yes, you can go to tateashley.com and find my write my writing and my art. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we will see you next week, and we also hope to see you on our tour. Heck, um, yes. Like seriously. So excited. And I so think Dedeker will be back in, in the person. next episode. Yes, Dedeker will be back Unless next she week. bails out for some other reason. Wow. I'm kidding. Harsh. I'm kidding. Wow. Nothing. Harsh. She's like, having a nice time. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Are you jealous of the silence? No, I, I'm just jealous of the time off that she gets to spend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing things. All right. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank bye you. Bye. Farewell. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.